Off the Bench on OTB Sports Radio, Ireland's first and only sports radio station. Welcome back. You're listening to Off the Ball's uh, Nolignaman special. And today's show is brought to you by Lidl, supporting women in sport and healthy eating. Uh, one of the things we're going to look at now is women in coaching. Uh, it's an area that they say is the only area of women's sport that is going backwards, not forwards. So we thought it might be worth having a chat with a few people who know this area and have some interest in this area. So we're delighted to be joined now by Fiona McHale and Lee Morgan. Welcome to studio, guys. Thank you very much. Thank Both of them you. say they're very nervous. I don't believe it. <laughs> I think I could be more nervous than the two of you. Um, let's let's talk about you first of all. Fiona McHale played Gaelic football for Mayo for 14 years, six club All Irelands. Um, she's a PE teacher by trade, by by training. But you're a PhD student in UL at the moment, um, and you're, you have a particular interest in is it is it teenage um, activity, teenage sport? Yeah, healthy behaviours in teenagers, so improving physical activity levels in adolescents, both boys and girls, but particularly at a school level. And my main focus really would be around the peer-led aspect. Right. Okay. In other words, how they're affected by their peers. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. We might have a chat about that. But that's part of it. You're also um, a coach educator for the Ladies Gaelic Football Association, which is interesting because this is an area I think, why are we not getting more women coaching? And you, last year you coached, you've coached, you definitely coached the UL women's football team, haven't you, for about four years? Yes, I coached them for four years. Up player until, man, were you player manager at one point? No, <laughs> <laughs> I went from player to manager, back to player now. But um, yeah, I was with them for four years. That was probably my first main coaching stint and kind of fell into it accidentally. And then just gained a real passion for it and was coaching then Claire Morrison then last year. Last year, for yeah. East. Um, and what division were they playing at what level? They were Division 1 and Senior Football Championship. Yeah. Right. Liam, um, I've heard somebody describe you as the godfather of Irish coaching. Well, godfather <laughs> or grandfather, I'm not, I'm not too sure which. Yeah. Neither, neither <laughs> uh, both are, are great names to have. Yeah. Um, you said to me you prefer to be described as a former PE teacher um, from uh, Cluna Gashla near Tume. Cluna Gashla, out the yeah. Ballygaddy Road. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's it, so yeah. interesting also your original background is as a PE teacher but um, as a coach you have worked with athletes at national and Olympic level in multiple sports which is really interesting Um, but also you worked for Coaching Ireland for how many years roughly? For about 15. It opened its doors in 92 after being set up in 91 and while I was involved in a consultancy way as a PE teacher there I started working full-time with them from 1998 until two years ago. Coaching Ireland are based in the University of Limerick, which by, by coincidence, that's where Fiona, you're based now as well. But you were the, few, you, what your title, I think, was a facilitator of the tutor development course. That's right, Coach that? Education Development Officer. And my role really was to help the people, the governing bodies selected to go and deliver their coach education courses. Yeah, so you were mm-hmm. coaching the key people who would then go back to national government bodies to co- educate their coaches, exactly. So right at that level. A passionate position to be in, a lucky position to be in, but one with huge responsibility, all right, to frighten the daylights out of me for a, <laughs> long, for a long time. It fitted in with a, a policy that Pat Duffy had of integrating, giving power to the national governing bodies. So for a long, long time, the only course we delivered in Coaching Ireland was the tutor development course, changed now to course developer right. uh, in title. But it was a way of giving governing bodies, look, we'll help you 
train the people who will deliver the sessions yeah. for you. Because governing bodies all the time are saying, we want more coaches, we want more specialists, we want technical coaches, so somebody has to help us with that. So very often they might go to the international body, and in this case you were kind of an all umbrella body for dealing with it. Yeah. Um, I suppose my interest in this and our interest in off the bench in this all the time is, is where are all the female coaches? Because if we even look at, um, we'll say football, ladies football, which you were involved with for so long, Fiona, um, Last year, there were only two female managers of teams in the entire four divisions of women's football, which is fascinating, I think. Only two women leading those two teams. Now, there were women in backroom teams, but none, only two, and none in Division 1. Um, Camogie, uh, roughly the same. There's no, I can't see any uh, female manager coach, if you like. I, I would describe it as the same thing, similarly, probably. Um, in Camogie this season, um, there were people involved last year, definitely. And I know, we'll say Orla Kilkenny is definitely involved in the Galway uh, Camogie background. We had Anne Downey last year. Anne's now stepped down, so she's gone. So technically this year there are none. Um, Neve Lillis took over the Tipperary Camogie team at one point last year. But again, this year there isn't anybody in Division 1. And so um, I'm really interested in and also looking at stuff abroad to see where are, where are the women in coaching? Why aren't there more of them? So um, Fiona, I would say to you, first of all, how did you get into it? It's really interesting. You both use the word passion. You both mm, used it yeah. very early in your conversation. Yeah. How did you get into it? You said you fell into it. I, I did yeah. fa fall into it accidentally. Well, I would have coached years ago, I suppose, in my local club, um, under 16s minors, only for probably a year, I'd say, at the time, and maybe a little bit of under 12s for a short stint. And that was around the time I was doing my PE training and that. So I was interested in coaching, but wasn't overly passionate about it or anything and obviously you're there to help out in your club and that and then and, you're, and you were playing into county at the and time and playing as well so um i went to limerick then i got my first job and um, when i qualified from college and i was there probably a few months uh, up to a year at that point and i just got a phone call from a girl who was involved and um, she was involved in university of limerick and she asked me would I be interested in getting involved in the UL ladies senior football team um, in a coaching capacity and straight away I was thinking god and it was the same when I was asked in with the Clavaris lads I was thinking geez I don't know if I'm able for that you know because at the time I was playing with Mayo and there was girls playing with UL who played for Mayo yeah and there was also girls playing with UL who played on teams like Kerry and Galway who I'd been playing against so it was a big challenge for me but you felt you were a bit too close or might be too close definitely yeah, yeah. yeah. and I was still playing myself as well and I was thinking well I have the time for this but something was telling me go for it have a go anyway and see how you get on and I stayed there then for four years and we had a great time we were successful we were so relatively successful, we won two O'Connor Cup titles while won I was there. And, Cup and so while you're there, in other university teams, how many other teams are you meeting that are managed by women? Um, I'm trying to think now. Though there wasn't many. I know when I was in college myself in DCU for three of the four years I was there, Angie McNally from Dublin, yeah. she was our coach, and that was probably one reason as well why. I had a little bit of confidence in going into it because I'd seen Angie do it and she always inspired me as well and at the time when she was coaching I was always trying to pick up little bits from her, probably un unconscious myself that I was doing this or subconsciously and um, watching what she was doing and picking up little ideas and things like, not even around her drills and, and games that she did but just around how she dealt with the players and that so. Um, That's interesting. So you saw another woman doing it and for some mm. reason that gave you confidence? Well it did because I'd, I'd seen her do it and uh, you know women 
coaches in GA are f- there's they're few and far between. But I also was lucky enough that I had Beatrice Casey. She's our our Carnegie manager, and she's coached me from under fourteen right up to senior. So. Yeah. I had a lot of experience with female coaches. Denise McDonough was in with us as well. Aoife Lane was, was in with us for a year as well, right. and there two years. So I've had a lot of experience there where I don't think many girls do have that, I suppose, that they have that exposure to female coaches. Right. Um, so that was, that was one of the reasons that I would have gotten into it. And then when I got into it, then I really enjoyed it and I got really passionate about it. And we talk, we talk about what, what you love about it, because I think that is really interesting to hear about it. Um, Liberty Insurance did some research on this in the past year. And um, one of the things they found, and, and, and Women's GA is actually a good example. So they found that they, they, did, they did research in England and Ireland. And in Ireland, um, Underage girls, women coaching, girls saw, saw women coaching at underage level. 30, 37% of them saw it in the GA in Ireland, which is interesting. Whereas in England, it was much closer to 20% to see them at that level coaching girls. They saw adult ladies teams, they saw women coaching 25% of them. They saw women coaching 20% of boys, but by the time it got to adults men's, it was 8%. Um, it's really interesting that it, there is a drop. You see more women coaching at underage level, and mm. then they fade out of it. Um, and that's the statistic that you know that research kind of backed that up because it's something we all anecdotally notice, yeah. I think, ourselves. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Liam, I was interested in first of all from a point of view of you working and giving coach education when you were working all that time in UL. Was there a big gender discrepancy in the number of people that were coming in for training? Was it way more men than women? Or what was the balance? Oh, like? yeah, way, way more men in each group. And I was there for about 40 groups. Each group would consist of about 30 people. Uh, I'd aim and aspire to having eight to 10 women at best. Uh, and it was a struggle sometimes to just make sure that that balance was there, if that was, if that was a fair balance at that, po- at that point. Yeah. Um, it was five contact weekends over a period of time. So I'd have found that the women, they would have been quieter at the start. Uh, they certainly wouldn't be praising themselves or letting you know what they did. Uh, I took it as an advantage to have women on the course. There was, a, there, was, there was a balance, the atmosphere was good. But they got into nitty gritty areas of issues quicker. Really? Uh, a, lot, a lot quicker. Uh, and what do you mean by nitty gritty now? What are we talking if about? If it was depersonal, like, de- de- you know, facilitating a session and ha- saying what had to be said about somebody who went before them, getting into issues being regarding... Honest. Oh, be, being honest. Being honest. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It, Perhaps it was. Blunt. <laughs> but I saw that with an end as being the advantage. It took me a while to spot that once the women had, we'll say, opened the door to get the issue discussed, they were then not so much pushed into the background but they went into the background and the men then took over the discussion. Interesting, yeah. And that took me a good while to spot. Uh, they started the relevant stuff and just moved aside. But courses were the better for them. Um, I think they inspired a lot of people around there. Uh, Maggie Farrelly was on a group, the yeah. first lady to referee ladies yeah. football. I don't know if she refereed you. Yeah. And a little icebreaker I had one day, they had to go around and find people from Mayo, find people with left hand, find people who refereed in All-Ireland football final. <laughs> Nobody in the group came near her. You know, so there was the perception, well, a woman, it couldn't be a woman. Yes, yeah, you yeah. Know? So there, there was all these perceptions. But yes, I'd say about, about a third at best. Right. And, and did you ever did you ever ask, I suppose the ones you'd want to ask are the ones who aren't there. It's like parents coming to parent means. But did you ever ask them, uh, you know, was there any impediment to you being here? Why? Why do you think you're in the minority? What, what is stopping more of more women being here? Yeah. I, I didn't ask because I, I don't think there's a, an issue about access. Uh, now, you can shout back on that in time. 
I don't think there's um, a problem on opportunity. I think there's an issue of, of choice, maybe, and then there's a cultural thing that fits into that. Because worldwide, the statistics, like you showed there from Liberty Insurance, about 10% of coaches worldwide at most levels are women. And that's very, very, very low. When they actually counted it per head for the last two Olympics, London and Rio, it, they didn't break 11%. And when they went countrywide, worldwide, yeah. it was that. But I was brought up with, I mean, athletic would be my main sport. People like Maeve Kyle were, were you know, there are pioneers in that. A camogie player called Peggy Morris, a cousin of my mother's, was hailed in our house because she scored a point in a final in the All-Ireland Camogie in Crow Park, shorter than what Crow Park is now. Yeah. So I never really saw that women not being involved in sport was an issue. However, you know, going through Limerick and so forth, I, it became very clear very quickly they were in the minority. Yeah. In the coaching end of it particularly? Or oh, very, very much yeah. so. I would never have come across in my career as in athletics and basketball, I was never coached by a woman. Now I did coach the college basketball team, the ladies basketball team, that was, that was demanding. <laughs> but that was my intro to real serious adult coaching right. too. But I don't see there's an issue with um, access or opportunity. And when you look at equestrian sport, some of our top coaches are ladies. Uh, in Athletics Ireland, Noel Morrissey and um, Deirdre McDade, uh, Theresa McDade Theresa has McDade. got the Coach of the Year there recently. Neve Richardson has done some huge work in, in Kilkenny and um, Mary McKenna has been doing it in Dublin for a Hayley long, long time. Hayley Harrison, Tom Barr is coached by a woman, Hayley Harrison, right, yeah. 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 As you said, Maeve Kyle, um, Derville O'Rourke was, was coached by a woman as well. Um, there, it's interesting. I, I wonder, Fiona, is there a difference in team sport and in those sports like athletics where men and women compete on the field at the same time, on the track at the same time? There, there isn't really that different scene. Do you think that there's a difference? First of all, I'm going to take it back to his first question about was it opportunity? You said you don't think that there's any difference in opportunity or, or choice. I, or I don't. Choice. Yeah. What about you? Definitely not choice. Anyway, there's plenty of opportunity to get into coaching if you want to get into coaching but you get into it because you have the confidence to do it and I know you mentioned there that as people progress through the ranks of under under 12 or underage right up to senior that the, the drop is less there. Women are there but I still think and it was an interesting tweet by Shane Smith he's, he's very active on Twitter around coaching yeah. kids yeah, and he of, said yeah. about parents and their they, they don't have the confidence to get involved in coaching at maybe under six or under eight level. Um, and you'll see there's probably women that get involved there, but there's definitely more fathers that get involved than mothers. So it starts from there as well. But just in any situation where I've got involved in coaching, I've been asked. Um, I would never put myself forward for any of those roles. Why not? You've well, played in multiple All-Ireland finals. You obviously know the game. You're a trained PE teacher. Why not? Well, f well, the first time I got involved, I just it would never have crossed my mind. The getting involved with a men's team wouldn't have crossed my mind. Again, probably, as you said, it's the cultural thing and it's the norm. And if it's not the norm, then you're not going to put yourself out there. Um, and even around the time that I got involved with Claire Morris, there was an advertisement on Twitter about uh, a club opportunity there, a club coach in Limerick. And I would never have dreamed of going for that. Just wouldn't have entered my mind. Whereas now that I've been involved with Claire Morris and I've been involved in the men's scene and I've seen actually, do you know what, it's, it's not that different and you're able for it. 
you would now put yourself forward for things like that. But that's, that comes from confidence so as well. So experience builds confidence. Mm, then. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's get, having someone to back you as well, having someone to ask you, um, people thinking outside the box. So the people looking, like, especially in GA, you're never going to have... You're never going to have a coach going for a job in GA circles. It's always managers going for a job. So the manager goes for a job and then they bring in their management yes, team with so them. Yes, so they bring a coach in. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So if you're looking for coaches, it's it's that manager. It's up to them. And the guy who brought me in with Claire Morris, Niall Heffernan, he was definitely thinking outside the box. He saw that I wasn't playing football last year and saw maybe this girl here might have something to offer and then asked me in. But only because I suppose he was looking broader and he was seeing, well, actually, we have more people here that are available to coach. We're not just going to look at all the men's, men, men that are in Mayo. We look at who are all the women in Mayo? Is there anyone here that actually offers yeah. something to this team? Yeah. I think the, the confidence word is important. I, I, I describe confidence as being able to see clearly what you want to happen. Now, on one hand, okay, we don't see many women, so there, there, there's, there's a confidence issue. But I also think you don't, we don't see enough of good coaching either. We see a lot of bad coaching, the ranting and raving, the yeah. raving blood yeah. vessels and so forth. <laughs> so we, we get examples of the bad stuff. We don't get examples of the quiet, the one-to-ones, the facilitation, the communication, the questioning, the listening. So the very reasons why women might be innately or in a formal trained way, very, very suitable for it, that's not highlighted as good coaching. It's not good radio. It's not good TV. It isn't good on the track side, on the pool side. It's, it's, it's not a way demonstrative enough. It's, it's not. It's really interesting. I was going to ask you this question mm. because I, I think sometimes that, um, and my background is P as well, and I often think that people think that you have to be a loud mouth like me. You have to be an extrovert. You have to be outgoing to be a good coach. And I was curious for both of you as to whether you think, um, you know, can quiet people be good coaches? Um, can gentle people be good coaches? Um, because maybe some women feel that it's this sort of alpha male environment that they won't fit into, Fiona? Uh, no, definitely not. I suppose one of the best coaches I ever had was uh, Finbar Egan, and he was a very quiet person. He never rose his voice or raised his voice to us in the dressing room or anything like that. Um, I, I, I think a lot of coaching now is around how you deal with players and how you see the person outside of just being the footballer or being the hurler or whatever, or being the athlete. So I think those type of people are nearly more suitable or they have strengths outside of what you see as being the typical thing of the ranting and raving in the dressing room. I'm certainly not a ranter or a raver. I'd be very quiet in a dressing room. As a player, I'm very quiet. And as a coach, I'm also very quiet as well. Yeah, I think that people think because you're working with large groups of people, you have to be loud. Yeah. Um, and Liam, that's not your experience either. Same as Fiona. No, very definitely. And in, in, in the martial arts, the, the masters would be training their apprentices. And one of the things they laud always that the greatest skill to have is the skill to listen. And listen is a is silence, same mm. six letters there. So again, from the point of view of the demonstrative vision of what is a good coach, it, it isn't easily seen. Being there often, Brother Colm O'Connell is in Ireland at the moment. He's the IWF World Coach of the Year. And he's been interviewed by probably every radio station and TV station nearly in the world at this stage. And some of them he likes with a smile saying how annoyed they get with them when they've travelled all this distance to interview him. And he tells them there's two things, get to know the athlete and spend time with them. And he says the next thing is they send to say, oh yeah, but what's, what do you really do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he tells them. <laughs> what's your trick? <laughs> yeah, so I use a phrase that good coaches coach sport, great coaches coach people. And that dynamic makes 
coaching suitable for all genders, all ages, uh, all personalities. You know, coaching is not about imposing your personality. It's about liberating or freeing the personalities of the people in front of you. And that means getting back off the stage for a while. It's very much like parenting there. You let, let people go gradually. Mm. I was at, a, I was at a, and we're in the era here of the 20, we're halfway through the 2020 campaign. I was at something this year and I was waiting outside and chatting to people before we went in. And I chatted to a woman, I said, what's your sport? And she said, well, I was a rower. And I said, well, do you not row anymore? And she said, no, no. She said, my husband rows. And I said, sorry, so we had this conversation, didn't know her at all. And I said, she said, my husband and my children row. And I said, well, why don't you row? anymore and she said oh, I'm, I'm too busy with the kids how would I fit it in mm. and I do wonder I suspect I don't have children but I do suspect um, that women are terribly busy and they do still it appears from all statistics do a lot more of or certainly do the bigger majority of work around the home and work with children and caring and is is that an impediment Fiona that they because you said it Liam there you need time you need time yeah. to be to learn how to be a good coach you need time with your athletes you need to spend an inordinate amount of time with training so is is time or maybe maybe women's you know biology and their natures mean that it's harder for them to make the time true actually because all majority of coaching roles in Ireland in GA are they're volunteer positions yeah. and you're obviously going to have a job outside of that as well and then if you have a family too so it is a massive commitment for someone like I know the time commitment that I would have given last year at Clamaris if I had a family and I had a job as well there's no way unless you were sleeping four hours a night or five hours a night that you would have been able to do it. It's a very difficult thing to do. Um, I've seen people do it successfully. Like there's it a can be done. There's a girl in our club, Michelle McGing, and she's had she's two kids and they're age maybe nine, twelve, nine and thirteen, ten and thirteen. And she's been playing with us right through. She never gave up her time playing football. She works and she coaches at underage level in our club. And you see that she just doesn't have a minute in the day. Yeah. Um, if she was doing that level of coaching, maybe at a at at senior a, level at a senior or a higher level, level, I don't know how possible it would be. So um, it, it depends as well on your circumstances in the home and also the support that's, mm. that's around you. She obviously has support around her that she's able to do that. Yeah, but and it yet, does take a lot of time to be a coach. Yeah, It does, and yet it doesn't get to the kernel of it because there's a lot of jobs that women do excellently that require a huge amount of time. There's a lot of jobs that require very complex work and you need to you need to know your stuff and, and women do that. Uh, there are top politicians, there's even women radio presenters now. But there's very few areas of life now where the choice comes in. We could go to the church and we won't see too many women there. But where there's the element of choice, coaching is now nearly top of the top of the league of the where where, where there's a very few women. Uh, and I don't have the answer, but I think because of the, the lack of visibility of the good, the good um, coaching. Which I, Fiona had. Yeah, I think women need support amongst themselves, first of all. For example, that, that example I was given where the women can come into the, of the issues. Right now, if I was back in coaching Ireland, I would go a greater effort to organise women-only courses. Uh, never Why? did. I think it would allow them support each other and value each other and accept the process of coaching an awful lot better. So it, it would allow them a stepping stone to then go from there into a more mixed setting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. When I was way back in another life as a PE teacher as well, I was the Leinster School's coaching coordinator. And it took me a while to start organising girls only squad days 
and, and women only coaching. So I was just there to welcome them and I got, got, got out of there. They were wonderfully received, bigger numbers, far greater variety of athletes from those who've been up in the front and those who were down the back. Outside, the amount of interaction and chat and talk and engagement was wonderful. I've been outside the door and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I think the support of the systems for women only would be one big step. And then while it isn't only a gender thing because men have a responsibility to, to help and support, I think women's responsibility to support women is something women really, really needed to be prodded and poked on. Why? I don't think they support each other enough. I don't think as spectators they go to see women playing enough. I don't think they encourage daughters and workers to be involved as much. Um, they might lead them towards dance or drama or music a little bit more. They see the sports person as a, as a little bit of a curiosity, an attraction. I think still, yeah, I would have said not still, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have figures on it, but I, I think it's a perception there. It's your instinct, And I, yeah. I think women need to support women more. There's a lady I've been involved with as a coach for a long time, 30-something years now, Annette Keeley. She's a practicing barrister, like the three of us, a PE teacher as well. And has four children. So in my role as a coach, the variety during those four pregnancies, she's in court every day. She has the four children to mind. Now own her husband has a big, big part in it. Um, but there was a steely determination in Annette that Yes, I had to get my sleep. Yes, I had to spend time with the kids. Yes, I had to do my study. And it really, it was examining what she had to cut out then. Well, then telly's out. Maybe the hoovering is out. She was <laughs> yeah. prioritising. She was prior, and, yeah. and things were, were fitted in. Right. So I think women need to support more women. Deirdre Brennan was one of the first coaches I've seen in basketball at yeah, a women's in, level. In, yeah, this uh, tiny woman surrounded by giants. In UJ, yeah. yeah. But you knew who was boss. Jessica <laughs> Harrington in, in equestrian sport. I yeah. mean, other Sally Corscadden get the Irish eventing team to the world eventing silver medal. So they are there, but I think the support of other women for women is something, is a direction I, I, I'd start saying, hold on now, let's right. get to women's sport. Let's get your daughter asking for a woman coach. Yeah, and it's not the first time that we've, we've heard that theory. And in fact, um, in that, in that uh, research that we talked about earlier on, they did, was it 68% of people interviewed said that they thought that more female sports coaches would encourage more young women to participate in sports, you know, and that was your experience, Fiona. We'll come back to it in a minute. We just need time to take a quick break to get your text into us at 53106 or leave us a comment on any of your social channels at Off The Ball. Afterwards, we'll have more from Fiona and Liam and Amory. We'll be back in studio to bring us up to date on today's FA Cup and Club Hurling. Welcome back to Off the Ball. Um, first of all, we're going to get a news round now from Amory. Thanks, Kleena. Well, it's semi-final day in the AIB All-Ireland Senior Club Hurling Championship, as we were discussing earlier on. And Ballyhale Shamrocks' defence of their title remains intact. They've beaten Derry Kingpins Schlockneil on a scoreline today in Newry of 2.24 to 2.19. Colin Fenley finding the back of the net twice for Henry Shefflin's side, one deep into injury time in the second half. And Schlockneil's Chrissy McCaig at full time felt that the scoreboard wasn't totally reflective of the game. We can all agree it wasn't a five-point game, you know what I mean? The goal at the end was obviously the icing the cake, but disappointing. Um, we knew it would be hugely competitive, even if others didn't. Trying to analyse it now is difficult, but probably a few of our sloppy turnovers um, towards the end, and they really capitalised on it. A couple of frees TJ Reid scored were, you know, pretty uh, special, so 
and a game of that, of that level was always going down to fine margins and uh, Ballyhill was just a wee bit more ruthless in front of goal today than us. And it's half time then in the other last four tie between St Thomas's of Galway and Tipperary champions Boris Lee at the LIT Gaelic Grounds down in Limerick. And at half time there, Boris lead on a scoreline of 11 points to Thomas's one goal and six. This afternoon's third round FA Cup games have all finished up. Bristol Rovers and Coventry City played out a two all draw. Northampton Town beat Burton Albion 4 2. West Brom beat Charlton Athletic one goal to nil. Chelsea beat Nottingham Forest 2-0. Barnsley enjoyed a 2-1 victory over Crew Alexandra. While there was a shock at Selhurst Park, Derby County beat 10 men Crystal Palace 1 goal to nil. Palace captain Luka Milivojevic was shown a red card for violent conduct in that one. Referee Michael Oliver consulting the VAR pitch side monitor and upgrading his yellow card to red. So that's the first time that's ever happened going over to the pitch side monitor in English football. Irish international Troy Parrish then unfortunately didn't feature for Spurs against Middlesbrough at the Riverside where it finished up one all but that will go to a replay so you might better get a bit of game time there. QPR have beaten Swansea 4-1 and Sheffield United beat filed, AFC filed 2-1. Ireland's Callum Robinson scoring the first there for the Blades. Action is well underway now in the Merseyside derby. There's 35 minutes gone between Liverpool and Everton at Anfield. Still scoreless there. And in the Women's FA Cup, finally, Ipswich Town have beaten Portsmouth 1-0. Burnley enjoyed a 2-1 victory over Nottingham Forest. Southampton FC women beat West Brom three goals to 1. Huddersfield Town beat Lockborough Foxes 3-2. Southampton women's FC then beat Cardiff City 2-1. Watford hammered Plymouth 5-0. That's Great, thanks, Amory. And we're not even going to get into debate over how there are two women's football teams called Southampton. <laughs> and obviously there's a vote. Finally, VAR has been defeated, so that debate is going to go on and on. You're listening to Off the Ball, and uh, with me are Liam Morgan and Fiona McHale. We're talking about women in coaching as part of our Nulig Naman special today. Um, the fact that we don't see see so few of them, as we said, possibly 10% internationally is, is roughly the figure. Uh, Liam, you just before the break had, had suggested, Fiona, that maybe a way to attract more women to have more confidence and get involved in coaching would be through women-only coaching courses. And, and does that appeal to you or you, do you have, think that's absolute madness? That's an interesting one because I never would have thought of that, to be honest. Um, I don't know if it's needed. I'm not sure. Um, as I was saying earlier, it's really about someone backing you and I think having a mentor is important. Yeah. You know, someone that you can bounce things off and get ideas from. Um, but I'm not sure, that, that could be interesting. I'm not sure has it been done anywhere. Ladies Gaelic football are the nearest, Fiona, you probably know. They have an uh, assimilation yeah. for experienced players, which can only be female yeah. to level. They do a level, mm. an assimilation for level one, which allows them to step into two. I wouldn't intend that the start, middle and end of any course would be women only but it would be a supportive step so that by the time they would just integrate, we'll say, for a, a visible point of view. I mean, mm. if we say that visibility and promotion of women is an issue, well, once you're visible, you're in, a, you're in an uncomfortable space. I used to say for many time, you know, if you got out of the comfort zone, it was a magical place. But I began to ask myself, God, how magic is this out here? It wasn't, you know, you'd be breaking it off. <laughs> so I think to, to have a step before you get out of the comfort zone. Yeah. So by the time they would integrate into a course, the women would know that we're good. We know about uh, the idea principle. We know about 
how to observe and analyze. We know about how to facilitate. Now, let's bring it on to the next yeah. stage. I'm, I'm hopeful that Fiona represents and, and really speaks for a generation of women who don't feel, don't feel they need women-only coaches, who would be happy in a mixed environment to learn how to be a coach. Uh, I'm not sure we're there yet. And your own lack of confidence, interestingly enough, already to say you didn't feel confident enough initially, you know, that you had to get in there. Um, but I, I'm hoping that, that you do represent that. But it is interesting that even in business, and we talk about quotas for some for in business and politics to attract more women in there, they do say that in business, definitely having a female mentor who quietly helps another woman along the rung of the radar helps her into the new system that that might help. So it is a, it's an interesting suggestion. But as I said, I don't know. I know, for example, the NBA in America, um, who could yet uh, have a, a female coach. Becky Hammond is an assistant coach there. Um, uh, they they have a, an introduction to coaching, sort of as an assimilation system. Yeah. They only opened it to women four years ago. So it's going to be interesting to see how soon women come yeah. through that system. Yeah. But there's no doubt that you do need a mentoring of some form if you're going to become a coach, Fiona, I think. Mm -hmm. Definitely, absolutely. Um, anytime I've gone into a coaching setting, like I went in the first year with in to UL, DJ Collins was the manager at the time and he's still the manager and I was co-managing with him for a couple of years in UL as well. And I always had him as my... Like he was my go-to person. He was the person I bounced my ideas off. I would never have done anything without checking with him. What do you think of this? Yeah. Um, and he would so have given me feedback along the way. And then going in with Claire Morris and I had Niall and I had a guy called Norman O'Brien as well. So we were coaching together. Um, so you always had that, I suppose, that backup as well of having someone with you. And I would never feel that at this stage of my career that I'd be ready to go in on my own Yes, I yeah, do think it's definitely important to have someone there. Yeah, yeah. And, and we should say, we, oh, I always say this. First of all, most of the coaching of women's sport is done by men. Unfortunately, yeah. that's the reality. So men are incredibly supportive to women in this area. Um, we're just trying to find out how can we get more women to get in there. And that's the interesting area. Um, I, I came across somebody in Scandinavia about two years ago, um, had a really interesting thing. I have a theory that it's about time and, and, and prioritizing time and that women, because they, they care so much in terms of family networks that they won't make the time, you know, that they'll sacrifice themselves. And I came across this brilliant system um, in Sweden where um, they, they had this issue, how do we get more women coaching? And what they actually went is they went to employers and they said, would you give your, your staff people half an hour off a day to get involved to train as a sports coach, women only? And they managed to get people to agree to this and they increased their numbers of women. In other words, take them out of their work time not their time at home or their voluntary time because they just didn't yeah. have it, but yeah. actually make an incentive for, st for businesses to give them some time off to teach them to become coaches and they noticed that they were, there was an increase. It's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, no, time is absolute and like, we'd all know... We all want more of it. We do, but we'd all know... Get to my age anyway. Yeah, you want all <laughs> more of it. But we'd all know couples, so once they get together, per performing players, they get together, inevitably one of them will not be playing as much very quickly because now there's there, there's family, there's home. Yes, yeah. Now, in, in most cases, it's it's the woman's case. In, in Akili, it's the woman's case that stops. In Akili, she continued. Owen, Owen backed off. And I always remember her saying how, how supportive Owen was to everything she did. So. And this is a woman who used to, does she still do that? She used to run from home into, into, into the, court, the courts and run right. home every day. Yeah, yeah. That's part of her training. That's how she fits it in. That's why she's yeah. a, a world master's yeah. champion, isn't but it? But that time issue I, I, is real. So you can't, you know, it is absolute. 
So that, that's where choice comes in as to who yeah. and the arbitration of it. Because yes, coaching is about caring. It's about helping people. Now, raising a family, just being part of a partnership is about caring. And there's only so much you can, you can fill. You can only so much you can recharge yourself to go and recharge others. So there is that balance. And again, getting back to what I was saying earlier about opportunity and access, women have all the attributes that are required for that. And I think it's a fueling from within. I mean, I'd be interested why both of you decided to become a PE teacher. Uh, I decided because I was trained by a, a brother, a brother, Willie Morgan, who I aspired to be like him. So I thought, mm. well, PE, I tried try the brothers once for a year. <laughs> I was getting a bit too close. Why, why did you become PE teachers? I loved sport and I and I also liked learning and liked teaching and I loved technique and all that kind of stuff. I don't know about you, Fiona. It's probably more the sports side of it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously you found a passion for teaching because coaching is teaching, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. There's, they're, they're very much the same thing, the same attributes. You know, even when you look at, even when you think about primary school teachers and you go into a, a primary school education, there's about an eighth of the students are male and seven eighths are probably female. I'm just throwing those. And that's so true which because is people probably don't even know this. Common Namunskul grew because there were so few men in, in prim as primary school teachers that they decided that in order to increase the thing of, of sport in school, that they would uh, teach women how to teach Gaelic games. And that was kind of yeah. part of the roots of Common Namunskul back then was, and it's really interesting how it blossomed as well and how a lot of women then got involved as teachers in uh, at that level but may not necessarily follow through just a quick uh, we just got a message in from Laura McEnany saying she's great to hear more female voices on off, on off the boil today hashtag women in sport hashtag 20 by 20 and that's what we're trying to do with this one of the things I think is a time thing but I think it's really interesting this one this one is really interesting in if it, if it isn't time in professional sport which it's not we're talking a lot about amateur sport in professional sport it's really interesting in America People probably know what Title IX means. In 1972 in America, they made a law, the state, the, the country made a law basically that said that you couldn't fund uh, women's, you couldn't fund women's sport in schools, at, at school and college level, any less than you funded men. So there was this whole big education of girls in sport. Um, and the logic, logical thing of that you would say is brilliant. And that must have resulted in loads more women coaching women. In fact, it has gone the very opposite way. Mm -hmm. And this is a fascinating thing. I saw this research before and I saw it popping up again um, very recently. But back in 1972, 90% of women's teams in college sport in America were coached by women. Okay, 90% 90. 90 of women's teams were coached by women, right? Mm. Uh, now, 42.1% uh, of women's teams are coached by women, right? Only 3% of men's teams in US college sport are coached by women. And 89% of Division I college athletic directors, in other words, the people who run all these programs, are men. And that is a fascinating thing. So they threw all this money at Title IX to get more women playing sport and thought also this will affect coaching. The very opposite happened. And the reason they say it happened is because men saw that there were opportunities in women's sport to make a career. And so they drifted into the women's side and women got pushed out of it. And also the other thing, the reason they say is because most athletic directors are men and they appoint people they know yeah. and, they, mm -hmm. and they tend to be men. Yeah. Isn't that shocking? Like, so even, even where there are career opportunities, even where the pathway should be much clearer, mm. it's actually gone the opposite way. Yes, but nature likes balance, I think. And 
you know, it's only 1970 that girls were allowed to take part in the All-Ireland Schools track and field. Wow, and that's unbelievable to me. Isn't that incredible? First, first ever ones across country held in Tume race course. In 1970? Be Beatrice Lambert from Carlo, the first ever winner of an Ireland. Now that, that's not that long ago. So now we're talking 1972 about... 1972 was Title IX, that's, remember? That's what struck yeah, me there. So yeah. we're talking 50 years. about a change. Could you imagine just back then about the women not taking part? Yes, up to 1970 in schools athletics, they didn't. Girls weren't, yeah. weren't, weren't in competition even. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And we see athletics as one of the most equal Integrated sports. Integrated now. Integrated yeah. sports, yeah. exactly. Um, interesting enough, but it's the perceptions like um, you would know, Wade Van Eekirk, you know, brilliant international, what, Olympic 400 meter runner. Yeah. His coach is a 74 year old woman, Anne Spotha. And at the, in Rio, the, the officials wouldn't let her in because she tried to get access to him at one point and said, I'm his coach. And they couldn't conceive that she was his coach. You see, that happened with men too, Cleena. You might remember the, the film Chariots of Fire, Sam Mussabini was yeah. the coach and he wasn't allowed in. Yeah. There's a lovely scene of him listening to the whole event because coaches, coaches weren't allowed in. Yes. So but this one this, was this yeah. one. She had, uh, if if I remember the story correctly, she had a she had an ID, but they just yeah. couldn't conceive yeah. that a woman was a, was his coach, and secondly, that a woman, a seventy four year old woman, was his coach, yeah. and she's a very 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 experienced coach, um, mm -hmm. and they tried to stop her. So, you rightly, Liam, it's probably a question of time, but it seems to me that it's the one area in in recent years, like we're making progress now. We're seeing more women's sport. You, more women are involved in sport, Fiona, and yet less and less women seem to be coaching sport. Well, even this, like, I suppose the last three years, you've seen Mags Darcy, she's involved with Wexford. She and Keane O'Connor involved with them. In with Dublin, so that's two yeah. hurling teams, two massive hurling teams in the country. So even little steps like that and the exposure that, like, there hasn't been much exposure about Keane being involved with Dublin, but there's been a lot about Mags, so even people seeing that, that definitely will turn the tide a little bit, even though it's only two people. Yeah. But it can definitely turn the tide. Is a bit. It, do you think it's really hard to be those first people because you feel under more scrutiny? Yeah, you do, I suppose. When, when what was I, it like with Cross Malina? Um, when I was in with Claire Morris, the oh, Claire Morris, rather, excuse me. It's okay, they, um, there was a little like there was a little bit of attention around it, but not much. But once you go in, then I suppose you just realise I have to do a job here and I have to perform. Um, I would have been a little bit apprehensive going in the very first session. Um, and I was kind of going, what is wrong with you? Why are you apprehensive? But that would be going into anything, going yeah. into anything new. And I suppose if you didn't care, you wouldn't be nervous, you know, and you knew you just wanted to give it the best you could. But I think, you know, there was a little bit of tension around it that made you a little bit more nervous. You probably do feel a little bit more pressure that you have to prove yourself straight away. I probably did feel a little pressure over the first few weeks. Do I have to do something here? Or do I have to say something here to prove to these guys that I know what I'm talking about? Um, and I would have felt that a little bit. Then as time went on, you felt... You know, so you that's in it. your head then? Absolutely, yeah, There's it was. this thing yeah. of, of us self-limiting ourselves, I think, and, and we talk about this in business as well, that women can self-limit. So did you ever hear anybody say anything negative? Or did any opposition ever say anything negative to you? No, there was never anything. Isn't that interesting? You know, so. Yeah. Isn't that so it's about our own confidence, really, mm -hmm. isn't it? And about everybody's confidence, I think. That point you made, Fiona, about, you know, at first I was apprehensive. In my time working with coaches right across the range, I find that the most apprehensive ones are the good ones. They don't know what's going to happen. They, 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 they don't know, and they know they don't know, so they're not going to talk baloney. They're not. <laughs> so they're apprehensive. They're going, they, they have notes, they have planners. They might throw them aside then and completely do something different. Um, 
Brian Kerr and Jerry Mullins are two people I've been very, very lucky to work with. But you know, it's hard work with them too. <laughs> it's, you got to work. Yeah, well, <laughs> really they're demanding. Work. Yeah, they're you demanding. might have to change everything you would plan then because the variety of the adaptation is more suitable. And then you review what you did. Um, a solution I would have for the whole idea of it because of the lack of visibility and highlighting a problem only emphasizes the problem. I would highlight the benefits of coaching. It's one of the great, great occupations and everyone is suited. So if you highlight the benefits that it isn't about putting back something to the sport, it's actually about the sport allowing you get more out of it. You're helping people develop, you're teaching them life skills about honesty, integrity, perseverance, dedication. The kick from someone thanking you for something you taught them years before is very seldom a kick from telling, teaching them how to kick or score <laughs> or drop a ball. It's because, yeah, gee, I, I loved going to sessions. Yeah. I, I loved the way you knew And it isn't name. necessarily, I think as well, when you do you find that, that it's not about winning something with them very often. It's about them learning something and then saying to you, God, I got that or whatever. Yeah, definitely. And that that's a really good point too, just mentioned there, Liam, about not, it's not about, you know, what people kind of say about intercounty footballers. What are they going to give back to the sport? They, they should be going out coaching once they finish up because they should be giving back. Kind of that's nearly like a negative mm -hmm. thing. But yes. actually, it's probably the second best thing to play in is coaching. Yeah. Yeah. It's and also not everybody's, great, not everybody's going to be suited to coaching. So sure. exactly. I think we make a terrible that's expectation, don't we? <laughs> you know, that they should be given back. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And there's not everyone that plays at a high level will want to coach. And you can see, I, I'd see over the years, different players I've played in with UL and with Mayo and in my club, there's the players you can pinpoint, they're going to be excellent coaches, they're going to be excellent managers. Not everyone will be that person. Yeah. And it's sometimes even the quieter people, it's not just, you know, the the, the louder person in the dressing, but you know the people who think deeper about the game. Yeah. And you can see those, and even those players that I play with now in UL, they'll be a lot younger than me. And even though they're only in their early 20s, you can see they think very deeply about the game. They're going to be an excellent manager, an excellent coach when they get older. You can see it. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Um, and speaking of people who, who have given back, if you like, I, I, it's really been encouraging to see Munster Women's Senior uh, Management Team this year is all female, led by Laura Guest. Um, a first time, and she, if you if you ask her about quotas or equality, she said, oh, that stuff makes me itch. We are here, we just happen to be all women because we found a group of women who are all brilliant at what they do, and we just yeah. happen to have all occurred at the same time. But they are an all-female coach, and that's really interesting because, again, to see that coming through in rugby, we haven't seen it before. The other encouraging things, and again, it may be a space of time that you're talking about, Liam, as well, is the English Women's Senior League um, three years ago there was only uh, the Women's Super League in England there was only one woman coaching which was Emma Hayes in, in Chelsea now there's eight out of twelve in the Women's Super League are managed by women and I think that's your, what we're talking about is it and I also noticed even last summer in, uh, in the Women's World Cup uh, there were only nine out of 24 uh, female managers at the Women's World Cup uh, the FIFA Women's World Cup last summer but um, five out of the last eight in the quarterfinals were females, which I thought was oh. really interesting as well. Yeah. So for women to see that, more yeah. women will say, we can be coaches, we can coach at that level. That's what we're hoping. Yeah, and I wouldn't like to, to finish this. Coaching Ireland, there was coaching before Coaching Ireland was set up and Pat yeah. Duffy again a, a, a acknowledged that and wanted assimilation. But when he looked for help, he looked first to Sue Campbell, who's now going to be Dame Sue Campbell. Dame Sue Campbell in yeah. England, her, yeah. Her contribution is immense to coaching. But she nominated two people, Pauline Harrison and Penny Crisfield, and they came, they delivered, they, they, they taught the, me, 
they, they taught us about what coaching was and how to present. So if we look at where coaching is in Ireland now, and we just move back, we stand on the shoulders of those. Sue Campbell, Pauline Harrison and Penny Crisfield have played an enormous part, huge. And there aren't any equivalent men after that. Pat Duffy set up the vision of it. He yeah. created the model. But they were the people he saw as being the best helpers. And what they have put in place is, is huge. So again, it gets back to the point, access, opportunity. It is there. It's a matter of encouraging women to know that they have the abilities to do it. It is hard. You will be apprehensive. It you takes will, time. You will have little time. And all good things take time. Whether you're going to, to try to be a good coach, the team you're going to be with to, to be a good coach, it's going to take time. And there'll be some hugely unexpected pluses attached to it. Okay, well, look, that's a great place to finish. Uh, Liam Morgan and Fiona McHale. Fiona, we hope that people like you are not in the minority, that at some stage we will have equality in coaching and that more women take some confidence and some courage from our chat today and go in and see, even, even at their local level, uh, what sort of passion they have and how is that passion realised with, with coaching.